This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 3rd, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Regulation Magazine celebrates 40 years this year. Peter Van Doren, the magazine's editor, has co-authored a new piece in the 40th anniversary issue detailing the history and current state of regulation and the magazine's role in fostering a greater understanding of regulatory process. If you look through a masthead of Regulation Magazine from oh, let's say 30 years ago, you'd see the editor, Antonin Scalia. Yes. And that's just a very, and that was when the magazine was at the American Enterprise Institute, long before uh, Cato uh, picked it up. Correct. Um, in your experience, what, I mean, you were probably familiar with it. What was, what did it look like? Well, I started graduate school the same year regulation started, 1977. And I remember going to the Yale Social Science Library and seeing it on the shelf. And the journals were arranged in alphabetical order, and it was under R. (laughs) And and I said, oh, what's this? And I'd sort of been reading The Public Interest, which was a a publication of kind of social science broadly construed where intellectuals and... uh, and policymakers pontificated about things. And regulation was much more specific. It was, um, it was about economics. Um, and that, and, and it's still, the, it, it, in my view, it's still unique. It is the only economics-rooted publication that's aimed at um, outsiders, that's aimed at um, the generally educated lay reader um, and as well, it also reaches policymakers. Seems to be the intent uh, of regulation. I've read it uh, many times, and there are certain articles uh, in regulation that over the years have just had some incredible staying power in terms of their relevance to uh, policymaking decades later. Well, the most famous, probably the most famous article ever in regulation's history is by Bruce Yandel called Bootleggers and Baptist, The Education of a Regulatory Economist. And for those listeners who've had economics, um, you know you, in, in a microeconomics class, you are introduced to the concept market failure, the failure of all gains to trade to be uh, to, to be achieved under normal market forces. And you're taught a perspective called, named after Arthur Pigou, an economist, a British economist from the 1920s, called Paguvian economics or welfare economics. And you're taught that the function, one function of government is to fix or rectify or remedy something called market failure. And the what Bruce Yandel had, had been taught that way, and he, he's a young economist at the Federal Trade Commission, and he realizes, oh my God, the FTC, the, the main job of the FTC is not to fix market failures in consumer markets, but rather it's to be part of an apparatus that doles favors out to various organized interests, uh, mostly on the firm side rather than on the consumer side. And thus the colon, the education of a regulatory economist. So, so Yandel said, well, if these agencies are up to so much mischief, how is that possible? How can the government keep passing things that don't actually improve citizens' welfare? And he concluded that 
regulatory co coalitions have two components, the bootleggers, those are the firms, the organized that are advantaged by price controls or restrictions or on entry of various sorts that give them excess profits. But then there are the bootleggers, or sorry, the Baptists. The Baptists are usually consumer groups or um, uh, activists, lay activists of various sorts who are against certain kinds of commerce for philosophical reasons, and thus and his original story was about restrictions on alcohol sales, thus the term bootleggers and Baptists. And he found that the Baptists provide uh, moral cover, if you will. People are against alcohol sales, many of them in general, and the bootleggers take advantage of that sentiment and organize the market on their behalf to make um, what economists call excess profits or rents. And that's just one article. That's just that's one. probably the most one of the most notable articles in in regulation that's uh, appeared in its long history. So what are some other other things that that the public or the regulatory industry has has learned from Regulation Magazine? I think another prominent feature, another theme that we emphasize over time is health and safety regulation and the invention of and then use of the concept, the cost per life saved, uh, which is an estimate of if you restrict the sale of carcinogen X or, or, and, or mandate that a piece of equipment have safety device Y or you inspect a plant through OSHA um, for safety violations. How many, on a statistical basis, how many lives does it seem are saved by these efforts? And economists have created the, the term cost per life saved to, in effect, state in a budgetary context. We have limited resources. How much are we spending to do how much good in terms of reducing risk? Uh, or enhancing safety. And one of the most famous articles in regulation is by John Morrell in 1986 called, it, it, it's, um, the title is A Survey of the Record. And it's literally a laying out in tabular chart form the risks that humans face over a lifetime, the lifetime risk of, of death from smoking and cardiovascular illness and motor vehicle accidents and exposure to formaldehyde, right? A, a sort of putting together of things we're familiar with, like motor vehicle deaths, as well as things most readers aren't, which is the, the, the death risk from exposure to chemicals and things like that, all in one, all in one article. And, the, and the, the, the thesis of the article was that the, uh, there are many ordinary risks, particularly related to motor vehicles, that we've become that, that, that we have come to accept, um, that have a, a great effect on mortality and morbidity. And then the things that we ask agencies, safety agencies to chase um, are actually very low risk uh, formaldehyde regulation, things like. But they're scary. The public is very worried about exposure to things they don't understand, and, and the car, which they do understand, actually, I mean, the lifetime, the lifetime mortality risk from automobiles in the, in the U.S. is one in a hundred. And I think if we asked most people that, they would not realize that uh, there's a one percent chance over your lifetime of dying in a car crash. And they, they might think that the 
lifetime safety risk from exposure to bad things in the workplace or the air or the food supply uh, is, is much greater than that, when in fact it's actually much less. Some of the previous editors of Regulation Magazine, I mentioned Antonin Scalia, but uh, Chris DeMuth and Walter Olson, uh, who was at AEI and is now at the Cato Institute. Walter Olson was a very young Yale graduate in economics and assisted Scalia um, in the editing of regulation in its early days. And it's very uh, ironic and of our good fortune to have Walter here at Cato uh, as an older scholar. And he and I actually talk about the 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 how he did much of the work behind the scenes, even though Scalia got, got the credit. Uh, and um, it, it's that legacy, that, that history of, of scholarship that Cato was very proud to uh, take over when AEI gave, you know, well, sold the rights to regulation for a dollar in 1990. And it was for Bill Niskanen, another famous prominent economist. The regulation was brought to Cato in part um, to, to, because Bill wanted very much to, to carry on that tradition. And he was editor um, in the early 90s, from, from when it came to Cato uh, until just before I, I took it over. Regulation Magazine started in 1977. Correct. But it also started at a time when the United States was about to undertake a very broad range and, and uh, substantial uh, deregulation across several industries. And I'm proud to say that the intellectual spade work for those deregulatory efforts appeared in the pages of regulation. I was um, in preparation for this interview. I was looking through 40 years worth of covers and tables of contents. And I had forgotten that Ken Arrow and Joe Kalt wrote an article uh, in the early years, in the early 80s, calling for the decontrol of oil prices. Uh, and Joe Kalt's book, uh, I read and was a big influence on my dissertation. So it's interesting how in this intellectual, I'm a product of the intellectual history that's in regulation. In this 40th anniversary issue that uh, Cato has produced of Regulation Magazine, what should people look for? Uh, there is a review article by uh, Tom Fiery, the managing editor of Regulation, and myself, where, where we go over, we try to summarize what's happened in 40 years, and we uh, emphasize to listeners that um, the economy was much more regulated in an economist sense of the term when the journal started. And there was airline regulation and train regulation and truck regulation and all of those what economists call traditional price uh, and entry regulatory agencies and controls. And all of that is gone. And, and the, uh, one of the interesting articles in regulation is a, a 30-year review. Uh, there was an, an article in 1981 about freight rail regulation. And then 30 years later, in 2010-11, there was the same authors looked back at the last 30 years of freight regulation, what they had predicted, what actually happened, and how enormously beneficial to consumers the productivity gains in railroads were. It really decreased the, the price of shipping everything from and uh, in part, the believe it or not, even though the Amazon economy seems like it's truck dependent, it's also very rail dependent. Uh, we ship 
a lot of commodities, long distance and rail. Um, and the price of doing so has become much, 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 much cheaper. And in terms of uh, its contribution, that, that reduction in the contribution to GDP, it's been sustained for all those decades. Absolutely. And the, um, the bad news is, of course, that the health and safety regulation has been ratcheted up. And so, the, the, uh, the morale article and its insights a long time ago, which is that um, the agencies are chasing risks of less and less consequence with much more vigor and animation, uh, that message has, we have been less able to convince the Congress and the public that um, they're chasing more ghosts than they realize and that they, uh, the economy would be better off if we didn't chase risks whose, life, whose cost per life saved is sort of, you know, a billion dollars. Uh, chasing things like, well, my favorite example is improved road safety, guardrails, guard, <laughs> guardrails, uh, barriers that prevent headlights from being seen in the other lane if you've got a multi-lane highway, the so-called Jersey barriers that you see, which were invented in, by the state of New Jersey. Those kinds of things are $20,000 per cost or per life saved. They're very, very, very cost effective. And uh, so making roads safer, making motor traveling more safe uh, is, is very good regulatory effort. Chasing after remote carcinogens probably is not. Peter Van Doren is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and is editor of Regulation Magazine, now celebrating its 40th anniversary. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.